Hello and welcome to Energy in 30. We'll use the next 30 minutes to explore how utilities and the industry are reacting to forces that are shaping new offerings for customers in order to meet decarbonization goals. If you're a utility manager, consultant, technology provider, or just curious about energy, we hope to push your thinking about the changes that are happening in the energy industry with me, David Meisegeier. And me, Joan Collins. Well, hey, Joan. So how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? I am also doing well. And we have a lot to cover on today's episode. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So I propose we skip our usual banter and just move right into it. That sounds good, David. Let's do uh, it. Awesome. So today we are discussing the growth of efficiency in controlled environment agriculture with Derek Smith, Executive Director of the Resource Innovation Institute, and Jennifer Amon at ACEEE, and ICF's Cody Allen. So let's get them introduced. And I'll kick things off with Derek Smith. So as I just said, Derek is the executive director and also a board member of Resource Innovation Institute, or RII, which is a not-for-profit public-private partnership whose mission is to empower farm resilience by advancing resource efficiency in greenhouse and indoor farming. And I'm going to, um, to introduce Jennifer Amen and Cody Allen. Um, Jennifer, who goes by Jen, is a senior fellow in ACEEE's Buildings Program. And in this role, she develops and supports strategic directions for the organization's work on energy efficiency and decarbonization of homes, commercial buildings, and indoor ag. Jen serves on the board of directors of the Attachments Energy Rating Council and Resource Innovation Institute. And we also have us joining us um, ICF's Cody Allen, who's a director at ICF working in the areas of commercial and residential demand side management. He's a, our resident subject matter expert in controlled environment agriculture, or known as CEA, which we'll be using a lot today in our discussions, and traditional agriculture. And Cody has a Bachelor of Applied Science in Agriculture Business from ATU, or other, otherwise known as Arkansas Tech University. So welcome, Derek, Jen, and Cody. We're so glad to have you on today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks here. so much. Glad to be here. So why controlled environment agriculture? I know uh, a lot of folks who are probably listening in don't really know what controlled environment agriculture is, or CEA. And CEA is a technology-based approach to food production, and it takes place in a controlled environment, such as a greenhouse or an indoor uh, warehouse has been converted over to a grow facility to, you know, grow um, hemp or or to grow, uh, you know, strawberries, what have you. Uh, but you know, but why CEA? Why is it so important to you know the ag industry in general, and also to utilities and and one of those big reasons is by the year 2050, food production has to increase, you know, to 60 to 70 percent to meet the world's uh, food population uh, of 9.3 billion people. And you know, to do that, you know, farms have to be more efficient uh, with the resources they have and the and the land masses and you know the map land mass and and water resources that we have are not increasing; they're decreasing. And so we need to make good use of the resources we have. Uh, within this industry and 
Uh, efficiency and growth in the sector must take place to meet this need, and utilities can take advantage of this uh, within their portfolios by uh, addressing those controlled environment agricultural operations. Um, and you know they'll continue. CEA will continue to be a, a large role, I believe, in the in the uh, ag industry. And um, you know it's a it's a great industry and a great opportunity for utilities to incorporate into their uh, DSM programs. Uh, Derek, anything to to add to that uh, uh, in that definition? No, I think you covered it really well. I mean, this is about food security on a climate constrained planet, and um, you know the humanity is really beginning to look beyond only field farming uh, to feed itself. And you know we've witnessed field farming being susceptible not just to climate risk, but also supply chain disruptions over the past few years. Mm-hmm. And we see countries like the UK um, experiencing or really observing that they are reliant on uh, imports for their own food for their people. And they you know, observe that as a condition of war uh, and, and everything is vulnerable to energy systems uh, in a variety of different ways, variety of different energy systems as we as we look at the agricultural sector. So this is really important. This is about integrating CEA into the landscape. This is not about supplanting or replacing field farming. We need field farming. We need um, you know regenerative forms of you know rebuilding soils. We also need for our own good to uh, look at ways to optimize. Uh, production and increase uh, harvests through the integration of uh, technologies and practices. So that's really helpful background uh, context of of why CEA. What is RII's role in this? Yeah, so we bring together uh, governments, utilities, and industry players, both producers and the vendors that are um, building out the facilities, designing, constructing, providing equipment, um, all to to coordinate education, training, and performance validation services. Um, We have a membership base that includes a lot of industry players, and then we work very closely with uh, various Uh, governments. Um, Right now, we're partnering with the USDA um, to establish benchmarks on energy and water use. Uh, We really are absent of data on on these issues. Um, And so we're just beginning to understand ranges of performance, um, but we really need a lot more data. So we're focused on building tools and resources that can help the industry scale and and help governments, utilities, and others plug into these tools and resources to expand knowledge and expand best practices um, and really drive efficiency at, at scale going forward. Hmm. That's, that's cool. And Jen, I know you sit on the board of RII, but you're also working for ACEEE. How, how do you see ACEEE's role in CEA? Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that's really interesting about this industry is we see that in addition to these big global forces that Derek was talking about that are kind of driving interest in CEA, there's also an increasing market demand. So we see people increasingly interested in 
you know, procuring their food locally, um, pr- pr- getting the benefits of you know, very fresh uh, produce that can otherwise be you know, difficult to get at different times of the year, particularly delicate things like berries and tomatoes. So as we know that this market is really going to grow, we see a big opportunity for energy efficiency. Um, as the market grows, we know that um, not only for these businesses to thrive, but also for them to fit into the communities where they're, um, where they're growing, uh, we need to be able to manage their energy use. Uh, energy is really kind of an Achilles heel for a lot of these industry, um, for a lot of these growers. Um, being a, a major input, you know, it takes a lot of energy to create uh, the fantastic uh, climate conditions that, uh, that we can experience out in nature uh, to grow, to grow uh, crops. And so really helping um, the growers learn to manage those, uh, those energy needs and understanding how we can improve uh, the delivery of these products um, in the most efficient way um, is kind of, you know, fits right into ACEEE's wheelhouse. And I think it's, uh, you know, a great opportunity for us to educate policymakers, uh, the folks out there in the efficiency program world, uh, and to work closely with researchers to make sure we have a better understanding of how energy is used uh, and other resources are used in the industry and what opportunities uh, we can cultivate together to uh, to reduce the energy impact. It's so great to hear this kind of overarching agriculture um, because I think a lot of people think the C and CEA stands for cannabis. <laughs> Um, you know, and it, it is very associated. So I don't know, is that something maybe we could discuss, um, you know, why, why that's so aligned and, and that perception is, is kind of tied to CEA? Yeah. I mean, ironically, you know, cannabis went into buildings, um, as a function of, um, you know, laws to keep the product uh, out of out of people's hands, right? Uh, prohibition. So, um, cannabis producers actually, in many ways, um, help jumpstart the technology and and really the understanding of how to grow plants in closed environments. Um, mm. And uh, obviously, there's a very interesting relationship t- with their utility providers uh, as they were doing that in a unregulated illicit market and as cannabis has really flourished in a regulated market um, it has created a number of challenges uh, for utility providers that are that are trying to respond to all the growth in that sector meanwhile the cea industry has been studied uh, by multiple federal agencies including nasa how to grow plants in space and so there's all of this research and development that's been going on and technology has been brought to these markets um, and really the cannabis industry has helped commercialize a lot of these technologies that are now um, really taking off at scale uh, to to grow produce what kind of size are we talking about for these facilities like how meaningful is it from a utility perspective I mean, there's a range of size of, um, you know, from craft uh, greenhouses uh, growing, uh, you know, 
craft crops, right? Uh, so you could say culinary mushrooms would be one example. Um, and you could have mom and pop operations. You can have multi-acre scaled up operations. And then of course you can, in a vertical farm, you can have very large warehouses that are growing uh, with racks going, you know, 20 plus um, to the to the ceiling, right? So um, in terms of energy intensity, the the industry is somewhere in the neighborhood of hospitals. So it's not quite as energy intensive as data centers, although cannabis operations because of the light intensity needs of the plant can be more um, energy intensive and closer to data center um, mm. comparisons. Are you looking at 24 seven load in a, in a truly indoor environment? Cody, do you wanna take that? Yeah, I mean, it, it could be, it just depends on how the business is structured and uh, how they uh, frame their operations. Um, so th they can certainly build a facility. And, and for those, as far as size comparison, I mean, most everyone is familiar with Walmart, right? Uh, a Walmart super center. I mean, some of those operations are as big or bigger than those, depending on where you're at geographically. Um, and so they can be very, very large. Uh, but yes, I mean, the load can, can be 24 seven, depending on how they structure uh, their, their facility and how they have their different stages and, and light conditions. And that's the beauty of CEA, right? I mean, you can, you control that environment uh, fully or can, and so you can replicate the sun whenever you want to and, uh, and provide the nutrients uh, when needed. And so it just really depends on each operation. But I, I would say predominantly most aren't, you know, they're going to be uh, typical daytime operations due to the uh, workforce uh, and, and, you know, the area that they're in really kind of dictates what they do there. Um, you know, but I think Cody raises a really interesting point that, you know, they're there because um, the warehouse operations in particular, but even, you know, with the use of uh, light uh, deprivation technologies and things for greenhouses, you can really manage, you know, when it's daylight and when it's not in these facilities. And that leads to, you know, some interesting uh, potential opportunities for load shifting um, and addressing demand issues. Uh, in, uh, you know, particularly in places that have severe demand constraints or um, other issues on the grid. Yeah, That's definitely. brilliant. Never thought of that. Joan, you were trying to get something in. Yeah, I was just talking, I mean, technology is such a key center to this, it seems. And I just was curious, are, are, are facilities taking advantage of technologies that are already there? Or is this creating the opportunity for uh, new technologies to emerge and in innovation? It's a little of both. I mean, we see a mix. We see some that are very basic. And well, I say basic, each CEA facility is, is really advanced when you take a look at it from the outside in. But as far as uh, using AI and controls and systems to make decisions and automate a lot of those pieces, uh, not all of those operations are using those technologies. So there's, there's definitely an oppor opportunity there. Uh, there are a lot of cool things going on with, with research around sensors and, and how those sensors dictate uh, decisions from an AI perspective on fertigation to harvest to a, a number of things. So it's, it's very interesting. Uh, the, the industry is advancing and innovating very rapidly. There are a lot of technologies out there that, you know, really don't have much of a benchmark to them from a utility perspective uh, to be able to look at those technologies and, and bring them into an energy efficiency portfolio and offer it as a measure offering, which is a gap really in the industry. 
which is where Resource Innovations Institute comes in and, and ACEEE as well. Uh, and there's a big gap there, and I'm, I'm very thrilled that Resource Innovations Institute is, is part of that process and mending that gap uh, so that evaluators, utilities, uh, and consultants can use that information to make informed decisions in evaluating and crafting uh, program offering to their CEA customer base. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, one of the things that I think has been really fascinating, you know, for me working on this is we're taking a lot of the technologies that have been used in buildings, but um, we need entirely different ways to measure their performance and to measure their efficiency as we're using them as process loads for plant growth rather than, you know, basic uh, comfort loads um, for humans. And right. so that's been a big part of the kind of infrastructure of the industry uh, that's had to be built up is, you know, what are the right metrics? How do we measure those metrics? Um, what, you know, what kind of efficiency improvements can we expect to see? Um, really interesting questions, you know, as we look at HVAC and dehumidification systems that are really, uh, you know, rather than promoting a general environment um, for the building occupants, you know, it's much more about very specific microclimate around each plant. So uh, there are a whole host of challenges, but most of the technologies you know, are there and it's really a matter of refining them and improving them uh, and customizing them for for the unique op occupants of these buildings. Mm. Yeah, I would just add to that that it's important to think about these facilities um, more like an industrial operation than a commercial building. Um, so you want to, it's important to understand energy use per square foot for a variety of reasons. Um, but it's really more important to, to think about productivity, right? How many pounds of product are being produced per unit of resource consumed? Um, so with that, those types of KPIs, key performance indicators, we, we are able to benchmark um, operations using our benchmarking platform, which is called PowerScore. Um, it, you could say it's like the Energy Star Portfolio Manager um, equivalent for these this type of building hmm. um, and you know we help producers really understand how they're performing how they compare to a national data set how they can improve their efficiencies and then with the aggregate anonymized data we you know we never share producer data um, we can help governments and utilities really understand energy use profiles which technologies and practices they can help uh, promote and provide incentives on to advance further efficiency. And I would just say, you know, through this data-driven approach, which we're proud to be working with USDA and ACEEE on, uh, and ICF is a really important member in what we're doing, is that we're actually finding that water savings claims that are made by industry players can be validated. So, you know, we, we've heard for years these reports that um, CEA can be 90 plus percent more efficient in its use of water than field farming. Mm. Those reports were really based on one model from one region. And of course, climate zone, you know, and a bunch of different variables are, are really important to consider when you're trying to apply a model across the country. So we're, but what we're doing now is we're validating through actual data from real facilities that trust that we're just trying to help the industry and, and 
the, the stakeholders around the industry just understand better what's going on here. So we're, we're really excited to be um, publishing an energy and water benchmarking report on the CEA sector for the USDA uh, this summer. And we're just wrapping up that analysis right now. Um, so it's, you know, that's just the tip of the spear on, on what we're beginning to find um, in terms of benefits and impacts of resource use here. So you said yield is very important and, and that makes perfect sense. I'm imagining there's some resistance in the industry towards efficiency from a fear that it could impact yield. Is there a big role for RII in helping to educate how efficiency can be had without negatively impacting yield? Yeah, that's the whole thing. I mean, we have to we have to um, speak at the language of the producer, right? They want um, they want increased yield at at lower cost. I mean, that that's the way they'll hit their mark. Of course, you can. And Cody's right, you know, a, a key thing about CEA is you can really tune the equipment to the outcomes that you want. So if you want to have the best, most nutritious product, or you want to have the greenest leaves of lettuce, you can actually tune your equipment to that. And so you're making trade-offs between productivity, quality, efficiency. Um, and we recognize we're we're one piece of that puzzle, but we're a very, very important piece of that puzzle and um, we're you know we're thrilled to be partnering with the industry to figure out that sweet spot for um, the accomplishment of all those objectives uh, yeah and they're you know they're see the CEA industry in general is really um, you know afraid of sharing their IP right and, and that's why there's a big gap in just the overall data that we have available to make assumptions as far as you know water use and, and so forth and so it's really important from a you know a program perspective to make sure that that intellectual property is protected that that's never shared just like Derek mentioned in their power score pro, uh, you know platform uh, it, it's it's very important to make that known and make sure that you know this is really for the greater good here right and you know this is going to benefit the, the industry as a whole and help that industry grow and and help utilities be able to you know, help with uh, resource conservation from, you know, a carbon perspective or from a, uh, a therms or KWH perspective. And and so that's that's something that we run into quite a bit, uh, which is customers who want to participate in the program is they're worried or concerned that the IP is going to get out. And it's going to be shared and they're not going to have that competitive edge to whatever, you know, uh, crop that they're currently growing. Mm. Well, we could certainly hear the the passion and the belief of the promise um, from the three of you. So I'm going to ask you to close out here. Uh, if you could do one thing to change the industry, no limits, what would you do? And let's start with John. Wow. So that's a yeah, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I think right now one of the things that I'm really excited about is this new recognition that we're seeing uh, about the importance of CEA and its growing importance by, uh, by USDA and DOE and others at the federal level. So I think um, you know, this is really bringing in new resources and new opportunities for uh, research, development, and deployment that'll support 
more knowledge creation uh, and, and expand the ability to do technical assistance for growers. And I think particularly for the, the smaller farmers that USDA often is focused on, yeah, this will give them a real opportunity to expand their operations with new crops and cultivation methods, and that can help them, uh, you know, weather some of the the upcoming challenges, you know, that that face conventional farmers uh, given climate change and even localized, you know, shifts in weather. So, um, you know, I think that's uh, kind of increasing and speeding up that involvement. Um, is something that I think would be very, very important um, that we'd like to see in the industry. I would just add, we've already made the point of, you know, we need more data and we need to really break the data down to climate zones and crops and types of buildings and types of technology. And, you know, we're thrilled to have a platform that that can be, you know, invested into so it's ready for a lot more scale to handle uh, that type of, um, you know, data analysis, right? But setting data aside for a second, which is not a set aside, um, I think what I'm really excited about and what I'm excited is changing is that the sector really is ready for efficiency and decarbonization. And I'm, I'll give one example that we're getting a lot of traction on the development of a workforce training initiative. Um, with USDA support, we've developed a strategy to bring a credentialing program to the market for design and construction professionals who are building these facilities. So you could say this is like the lead AP analog for the CEA class of buildings. Um, and so the utility sector also is, is ready for this. And, and that's exciting. Jen mentioned that governments are, are getting ready, right? So let's all pull together to create this future of efficient and productive CEA. Um, we're excited to launch a utility working group on CEA efficiency and decarbonization later oh, awesome. this year. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get behind the meter. We'll look at demand response, grid flexibility, CHP integration, a number of other issues. And, you know, just like to encourage any of your listeners who are interested to please reach out to us at Resource Innovation Institute. And um, just want to give one more shout out to ICF for its leadership and seeing the opportunity here in this sector. Yeah, well, we'll thank make you. sure to put a link in the in the notes. Um, and Cody, do you want to wrap with your? Yeah, one so <laughs> yeah, mine really involves the consumer. Uh, I, I think that if, if more people were aware of where their food comes from and how it's grown, they would care more. Uh, and by caring more, it's going to increase the industry's ability to or, or really force the industry to be more efficient right and care about uh, the quality of that production of that of that produce or food um, and really push the industry to, to do better right and um, so and there's just so many people I mean I'm really passionate about agriculture obviously I grew up on a farm but in talking with you know uh, you know school age kids I mean there's just so many of those out there that don't understand where their food comes from or you know the resources that are involved in, in in producing that food and so my big change is really for um folks to really understand where that comes from that's awesome well thank you derek jen and cody this has been a fascinating conversation um i think the one thing that that just struck me the most i'm still uh kind of a, in awe 
that I never thought about it before is, is Jen, what you said that you could, because not all these facilities are 24 seven operations, you could time the operations for load management. And the, it's just flooring me to think about the possibilities of, of how the industry could work with utilities on, on that. But from buying locally to uh, hearing about this credentialing program that's kicking off for, for designing facilities, the working group, uh, it really does sound like just we're, we're at the right time and the right moment to, to integrate CEA programs in the utility program, uh, CEA into utility programs. So mm -hmm. really, really fascinating to learn more about this. Thank you all again. Really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you very much. Yep. Yeah, thanks, thanks so much for the David. opportunity. Me too. And with um, so many of the projections showing, you know, market growth, like you've discussed over the next 10 years, I think this is perfect timing. So it's just, this is what we love about this podcast is talking with leading experts like yourselves that are nudging, pushing, uh, you know, providing access, um, just so appreciative. And for all of you listening, if you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe to our podcast. And um, we, we thank you all for listening and here's to our next Energy in 30.